On August 14, 1945, Thomas Jones was a 16-year-old messenger in Washington, D.C. On that particular day, he was tasked with taking a message to the White House. Now, he'd done that before, and so he was not in any particular hurry to make his way to the White House. And like any 16-year-old boy, he tended to be distracted by certain things. Uh, Among those distractions for Thomas Jones were pancakes. And so he stopped at his favorite diner and had a, uh, a plate full of pancakes. He met with his friends. He flirted with the waitress and kind of took his time before he finally decided he was going to make his way to the White House. On the way to the White House, got stopped by the police for making an illegal U-turn. 2006, at the Philadelphia Film Festival, his life story was debuted as a movie called The Messenger. The significance of his life was in the content of the message. You see, the message that he was entrusted to take to President Truman on that day was the message of the unconditional surrender of the Japanese and the functional end of World War II. And he became on that day forever known as the boy whose love of pancakes delayed the end of World War II. It's a testimony of someone whose craving for satisfaction prevented him from his responsibility. This morning we're going to meet a man in very similar life circumstances. We're going to meet a man whose life is defined by the temptations that he failed. It's a privilege and a delight for Jay and me to be back here with you, especially on Father's Day to celebrate uh, the gift of the Lord in our homes through our fathers and bring you an encouragement and challenge from God's Word entitled, Long Hair, A Dead Lion, and Empty Promises. Maybe there are things in your life that threaten to derail you. Most of the time, when the enemy approaches your life, he's not going to appear in a red suit with pointy horns, but he's going to appear as everything that entices you. He's going to appear as something that perhaps only appeals to you, but it is for you a temptation. This morning, we're going to meet a man whose name was Samson. He's been called the weakest strong man in the Bible. He is perhaps one of the reasons for the unfortunate and sometimes unfair characterization of the big dumb jock. That's who he is. That was Samson. That's what we remember Samson for. When we're first introduced to him, and his story is told in Judges 13 through 16, when we first meet him, we actually meet his parents, and we are introduced to an unsuspecting young couple who receive a visit from an angel of the Lord, and the angel informs them that they will be the proud parents of a young boy whose life will be blessed by the presence of the Spirit of the Lord. One writer referred to them as Bam Bam's parents. It's kind of a good depiction because that's really the characterization that we have of Samson in Scripture. And when we meet them, we find the angel of the Lord prophesying something great that will happen through the birth of their son. After 
four decades of oppression, God sent a baby. And with that baby, God sent the promise of his restoration. We find in Judges 13, verse 5, the, the prophecy of the angel that he, Samson, would be the agent of God's deliverance. He would begin to, to deliver God's people. From his very birth, he was dedicated to the Lord. You might have heard the phrase, Nazarite vow. It was what uh, became the testimony of his life. There were really three primary ingredients to a Nazarite vow. A Nazarite person who is dedicated as a Nazarite. You remember Paul in the New Testament took a Nazarite vow. They took three vows. One, they'd never cut their hair. Number two, they wouldn't drink alcohol. And number three, they would not go near a dead body. Throughout the story of Samson, we'll see how systematically he breaks all three of those promises to the Lord. Here is a young man who was highly favored of the Lord. Indeed, the grace of the Lord was evident on Samson's life from the very beginning. His birth was prophesied by an angel of the Lord. He was gifted by God with superhuman strength. He was given great authority. He was loved by his people. He was feared by his enemies. The Spirit of the Lord was upon him. But along with the grace of the Lord came enticing temptations which Samson frequently failed. Samson was, like many of us, blessed with the grace of the Lord, but grace is no excuse for disobedience. Presuming on God's grace makes us easy prey for the temptation of the enemy. To be sure, temptation is not sin, but it is the yielding to temptation that is. And so we'll see the struggles of Samson with temptation and perhaps learn some life lessons in our own lives about the struggles we face with temptation. C.S. Lewis once said, only those who try to resist temptation know how strong it really is. If you brought your Bible, let me invite you to open with me to the book of Judges, chapter 14. We're going to pick up in the middle of the story of Samson's life. We'll find the first time Samson speaks. We'll find the first time Samson is tempted. And we'll see the first few times Samson fails. I want to look at the first part of Judges chapter 14 beginning in verse 1. The Bible records the following. Now Samson went down to Timnah, saw a woman in Timnah of the Philistines. So he went up and told his father and mother, saying, I've seen a woman in Timnah of the daughter of the Philistines. Now, therefore, go get her for me as a wife. His father and mother said to him, Is there no woman among the daughters of your brethren or among my people that you must go and get a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines? Samson said to his father, Get her for me, for she pleases me well. But his father and mother did not know it was of the Lord that he was seeking an occasion to move against the Philistines. For at that time, the Philistines had dominion over Israel. So Samson went down to Timnah with his father and mother, came to the vineyards of Timnah. Now to his surprise, a young lion came roaring against him. 
The Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. He tore the young lion apart as one would tear a young goat, though he had nothing in his hand. But he did not tell his father or mother what he had done. He went down and talked to the woman, and she pleased Samson well. After some time, when he returned to her, he turned aside to see the carcass of the lion. And behold, a swarm of bees and honey were in the carcass of the lion. And he took some of it in his hands, and he went along eating, and came to his father and mother and gave some to them, and they also ate. But he did not tell them that he had taken the honey out of the carcass of a lion. Now, Samson is an intriguing and complex figure in Scripture. When you read Hebrews chapter 11, he is mentioned among those in the roll call of the faithful, and yet he is known for his yielding to temptation. He exhibited Herculean kind of strength throughout his life, and yet he is known for his weakness in temptations, particularly of women. In Judges chapter 14, we find the first of three episodes of Samson's problems with women. Here, with the uh, Philistine woman, he is tempted and uh, deceived by her. His life is then threatened for the first of what will be three times because of his temptations with women. We see in the first part of Judges chapter 15, he finds a Philistine prostitute, and again, his life is put in danger because of his lust. Later in that same chapter, Samson marries a Philistine woman named Delilah, whose temptation ultimately will be his final undoing. She tempts him trying to find the secret of his strength, which is partly in his hair, and he is slow to pick up on her temptations, and finally gives in to her temptation. She cuts his hair, and indeed, the Philistines come upon him in what is for Samson a really bad hair day, which causes the end of his life and a sequence of events that, uh, that tragically unfold. And we get the picture of a he-man with she problems. We find a picture of a strong man with weak morals. We find a picture of a man graced with the gifting and the talent of God who frivolously squandered the gifts of God to him. Indeed, as you track his life, you witness one of the most egregious wastes of grace and selfish squandering of God's giftedness in all of history. You find Samson doing some remarkable things throughout the short episode of his life. Here in this chapter that we just read, he kills a young lion with nothing in his hand. Later in this same chapter, he kills 30 of the Philistines. In chapter 15, he finds 300 foxes and uses them to destroy a field. He kills in chapter 15, verse 8, many Philistines. Later in that same chapter, he kills a thousand more Philistines. He carried the gates of the city on his shoulders to escape the Philistines. He judged Judah for 20 years, and at his death, he collapsed the Colosseum by simply pulling on the pillars with his arms. Yet for a man with such great giftedness from God, his life displayed so little 
spiritual fruit. He is the poster child of wasted grace. Throughout his life, we see the impact of a man who yielded to temptation, who succumbed to arrogance and vanity, sensuality, disrespect for his parents, disrespect for the Lord, weakening of personal integrity, anger, vengeance, and a general lack of self-control. The irony that you see later in Judges chapter 14 Samson proposes a riddle based on the episode of the honey in the lion that he had killed, and he proposes a riddle to the Philistines that basically says, out of the strong came something sweet, and out of the eater came something to eat. The irony of his life is that out of the strong came something sour. It's the obvious lesson of the story of Samson of how you and I use the gifts with which God has entrusted us. One of my favorite lines from movies is the line from Eric Liddell in the movie Chariots of Fire who said, I believe God made me for a purpose, but he also made me fast, and when I run, I feel his pleasure. Well, the story of Samson is the story of a man whom God made strong. And may I say to you, if God makes you strong, it's God's desire for you to use your strength for his glory. If God gives you other gifts that you are blessed with from the hand of God, it is God's desire for you to use those gifts for God's glory. And Samson is a man who wasted God's gifts. May I ask you this morning, how has God gifted you? read an article here recently entitled, Five Risky Teen Behaviors, and the article went on to talk about five risks that teenagers face today and talked about technology and drugs and alcohol and eating and driving as the five riskiest behaviors that teenagers face. I want to share with you this morning Five, risky spiritual behaviors and the spiritual warning signs in place to protect us. I want to talk about five words of warning that could save your life. We find him in the story of Samson. The five things that ultimately were the undoing for Samson and they are for us warning signs that you and I must be aware of and do our best to avoid. Number one, may I share with you from verse 1 of chapter 14, be careful where you go. The first thing that you see of Samson in Judges 14, verse 1, is he's going to the region of the Philistines. Now, that seems somewhat benign. It's only about an hour south of where Samson lived, but this is the secret of the story because the Philistines are those who were oppressing the people of Judah. They were the enemy of the people of God, and you find Samson wandering through the region of the Philistines, and it's no surprise he finds himself tempted while he's there. Not only that, you find him not only in the region of the Philistines, but when you get down to verse 5, notice where he is in the land of the Philistines. He's in the vineyards. Now remember, one of Samson's vows before the Lord is he'll have nothing to do with alcohol. 
And I wonder if one of the reasons he's wandered to the region of the Philistines in the vineyards was to taste of the fruit of the vineyard. I saw something this week in studying for this message I'd never seen before. You see it there in verse 5. He came, he came to the land of Timnah with his father and mother, and he came to the vineyards of Timnah, and to his surprise, a lion came roaring upon him. Now, it struck me that I'd never seen that before. He's in a place where he should not be. He's in a spot within that city where he ought not to go. And surprise, a lion came. And may I say to you, when you're in the wrong place at the wrong time, doing the wrong things with the wrong people, you should not be surprised when wrong things happen. And that's what's happening here for Samson. He's in the wrong place. He knows he's in the wrong place. They're the people that, the, that God has called him to defeat, not the people that he's called for him to intermarry. Samson knows that it's not only a violation of the law of the Lord, but the custom of his people to intermarry with the Philistines. But that doesn't seem to bother him. He finds his way there to the land of the Philistines. And may I say to you, it's a warning sign for us today. Don't put yourself in a position to be tempted. Be careful where you go. Samson in the wrong place at the wrong time, doing the wrong things with the wrong people, and a lion appeared on the way. Now, my own opinion of Judges chapter 14 is the lion is not an agent of God's judgment. I think, rather, the lion here is a warning from the Lord. You're in the wrong place. Stop, turn around, go the other way, but Samson refuses and is intent on going in a way that pleases him. Note the interesting juxtaposition between Samson and David in the story of men who killed lions. David in 1 Samuel chapter 17 verses 34 through 37 said, I have killed a lion and a bear and this uncircumcised Philistine will be no different. And David went on to use the occasion of the Spirit of the Lord upon him as an opportunity to give God glory rather than an opportunity to promote himself. Perhaps Samson God was trying to get Samson's attention, and maybe this morning God's trying to get yours. The first warning sign on the pathway to giving in to temptation was Samson in the wrong place. And may I say to you, be careful where you go. A second warning sign that we see in the text, you see uh, there in verse 1 and again in verse 2, it would be, be careful what you look at. I was listening to the Christian radio station recently and I heard that remake of a song that we used to sing when I was a little boy in vacation Bible school, Be Careful Little Eyes What You See. And I want you to notice the repetition of the word saw here in Judges chapter 14. Samson went down to Timnah and he saw a woman in Timnah of the daughter of the Philistines. He went up and told his father saying, I have seen a woman in Timnah of the daughter of the Philistines. Now go get her for me as a wife. And the text goes on to talk about the objection of his, of, of his parents. And then Samson refuses and says again, 
get her for me. She pleases me very well. And the text goes on to give the details of that. Samson knew intermarriage with the Philistines was prohibited by the Lord. Interesting thing about this episode is the woman is never mentioned by name. She's only described as the woman from Tekoa. She's the Philistine woman because ultimately her identity is not relevant to the story. It is the sin of Samson. It is the problem of Samson giving in to a temptation he knew he should resist. And may I say to you, be careful what you look at. It's further emphasized by the twofold refrain that Samson says, she is right in my eyes. You see it in verse 3, and you see it again in verse 7. Literally, she looks good to me. That becomes the barometer of rightness for Samson. She looks good to me. It's something that I desire. It's something that I want for my life. It doesn't matter that it violates Scripture. It doesn't matter that it's disrespectful to his parents. It doesn't matter that it violates the customs. Samson, in effect, is saying it doesn't matter what God says. I want to do what's right for me. And Samson is an example of the refrain that you see throughout the book of Judges. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Here, Samson seeing what looks good to him. Too often, the litmus test of behavior boils down to what is right in our eyes. When what we need to be concerned about is what's right in God's eyes. You never see that in the story. You never see Samson coming before the Lord, pleading with the Lord, what's right in your eyes? What do you desire for my life? And may I say to you, though it is true that all of us will be tempted in life, the Bible also promises there's no temptation that comes upon you but is common unto man, and God with every temptation will give you a way of escape. Be careful what you look at. There are so many enticing things for us today to look at. Some of them in real life, some of them in virtual life. And all of us frequently faced with the temptation of looking at things that we ought to avoid. Be careful where you go. Be careful what you look at. But let me share with you thirdly a third warning sign that you see in the text. You see it there in verses 2 and 3. Be careful who you listen to. Here, Samson, given wise counsel by his parents, refuses to listen to their advice. In effect, saying to them, I don't care what you think. I don't care what you want. I don't care how wise your advice might be. I refuse to listen. In fact, you see that twofold disrespectful refrain, go and get her for me. Do this for me. Samson's parents are understandably concerned, especially since the angel had told them in the chapter right before this that God would use Samson to defeat the Philistines. Here, Samson wanting to intermarry with them, and they are understandably concerned. They object to the marriage, but Samson is unmoved by their objections, refused to listen to wise counsel, ignored their plea, get her for me, and joins the ranks of those who might well someday say, if I had only listened to mom and dad. Be careful who you listen to. 
It's amazing how easy among the voices in society you hear those voices that we least should listen to. And among the cacophony of sounds that approach us every day are the voices of those whom we should refuse. Be careful who you listen to. Be careful where you go. Be careful what you look at. Be careful who you listen to. There's a fourth warning sign that you see in the text. You see it there in verse 8. Be careful to keep your word. Are you a person of your word? When you give your word, when you say, I'm going to do this, when you make a vow before the Lord, when you give a promise to someone, are you someone who keeps your word? Samson had given his word, began from his very childhood, dedicated to the Lord, later assumed by Samson as a vow for his life. But twice in this chapter and subsequently a third time in the next, Samson violates all three of his vows before the Lord. We see him violating the vow to avoid alcohol in two different occasions in Judges 14, one at the party for his uh, upcoming wedding, the other at the occasion of the vineyard. We see him violating the command to go near a dead body when he approaches the body of the lion. And now Samson, though it probably seemed benign to him, has now two times violated the vows he made to the Lord. His physical appetite overruled his devotion to the Lord. And Samson's carelessness with his commitment essentially declared to the Lord, I don't care what you say, I'm going to do what I want. This chapter becomes a foreshadowing of the soon coming worse episode with Delilah, where his giving in to temptation becomes his ultimate undoing. And it will be so for you. For you. Be careful with, when you give your word, when you give your vow, when you make a promise to the Lord, when you say yes. And ultimately, Samson really came to believe his strength actually was in his hair. Forgot that his strength came from the Lord. Didn't notice that he only did those great things when the Spirit of the Lord empowered him, but somehow came to believe what the Philistines believed, that his strength was in his hair and not in his devotion to the Lord, and his compromise became his undoing. Be careful how you keep your word. But then I want you to see a final warning sign in the text. Be careful who you influence. Whose life is your life touching? On whose life does your life have influence? Who's looking up to you? Who's watching you? Who's listening to you? Who is following after you in the things that you do? Did you notice here, Samson is not content merely to violate his Nazarite vows by approaching a dead body. He also takes some of the food, which would have been contaminated by coming out of a dead body, and then gives that contaminated food, twice contaminated now, to his parents, including them in his sin, like Eve with Adam, including someone else in his sin. Be careful who you influence. 
On whose life are you bearing spiritual influence? It's no coincidence today is Father's Day. Part of my challenge to you fathers would be to be the godly man in your home, to be the spiritual influence you know God wants you to be, the influence God expects you to be, the influence God will hold you accountable to be in your home. Be careful who you influence. Notice the text twice tells us things Samson didn't tell his parents. He didn't tell his parents he'd killed a young lion. He didn't tell his parents where the honey came from. Perhaps knowing that they would be shocked by him approaching a dead body, perhaps knowing they would be defiled by eating food that came from the dead body, but ultimately you see Samson instead using his influence for bad rather than using it for good. And clearly the writer is telling us that his parents would have been understandably concerned had they known what Samson had done. And ultimately, when you work your way through the text, you find the writer reminding us, guard your feet, guard your eyes, guard your ears, guard your hearts, and guard your hands. Be careful how you walk. There are among five bright warning signs that all of us must heed as we walk down the path that God has chosen for us. As you go down the path of your life, be careful of these things that will inevitably confront you on a daily basis. Because the consequences of our carelessness may well be just as destructive for us as they were for Samson. For Samson, you see the weak areas of his life exploited over his strength. You see a figure whose end tragically overshadows his beginning. And it might be. Some of you are tiptoeing too close to temptation. It might be. You've already walked past the warning signs along the path towards giving in. Maybe this morning you see in the story of Samson some things that are similar to life circumstances that you face every day. Be careful where you go. Are you in the wrong places? Be careful what you look at. Are you looking at the wrong kinds of things? Be careful with your word. Be careful with those whom you influence. And be careful who you listen to. Jesus, in the model prayer, taught us to beseech the Lord to lead us not into temptation, but to deliver us from evil. You and I live in a day where much of our attention has been focused on terrorist threats, political elections, and mosquito-bred viruses. My challenge to you this morning is let us not lose focus on the spiritual battles that we face every day. Don't ignore the warning signs. 
pay attention to the struggles, the temptations that are confronting you. It's not a sin to be tempted. Even Jesus was tempted. The sin is giving in. And may I say to you, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Would you bow together in prayer with me? The good news today is there was another man whose birth was foretold and miraculously accomplished, who stood victorious against temptation, conquered death, and paid the price for our sin, stands forever as the righteous judge, and he will give you strength to stand in temptation. Maybe this morning you're facing temptation. Maybe you're facing struggles that only you know. Only you and God are aware of the struggles that you face, the temptations that are bombarding you every day. And you this morning know you need to come before the Lord and, pl and plead for the strength to stand. The irony that stands out about the strong man was his weakness. How will you do in the face of temptation? Will you heed the warning signs? Father, I pray in the strong name of Jesus that we stand in the day of temptation. I pray that you give us eyes to see the struggles that are confronting us, the courage to stand against them. God, I'm praying for each one here this morning in the particular struggles that each might be facing. I'm praying for those who find themselves even this morning in places where they should not be, doing things that they ought not do, looking at things that they ought not see, listening to people to whom they ought not listen, going against their word, influencing others in the wrong purposes. Father, missing the opportunity to be the man or woman of God that you desire them to be. So God, I'm praying you give us the strength to stand. Father, I pray that if there's even one here this morning who is facing those warning signs, that you would alert them to the struggles that are before them, to the dangers of giving in, and give them the strength to stand for Jesus' sake. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.